Time once again for the stuff we don't talk about on air. Clinton Griffiths across the table from me. I'm hey John Harris. And uh, we're back after last week, uh, Chip and Davis taking things over quite a bit. Ah, those guys. You know, it, you know we, we let them fill in. Now we're back. It's fine. Yeah, well, but that's how this thing works is we just kind of let that's wh- right. whoever's around that week <laughs> that can say something interesting. Jump on and talk about the stuff we don't talk about on air. The All stories, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Everything that happens behind the scenes and putting together the news for Farm Journal. And we've got a couple of new folks with us this week. On the phone with us, Portia Stewart, who is the Content Strategy Director for our Livestock Properties. Hey, Portia, how are you? Great. Nice to be here. And and the woman who has been at the center of the news in our world this week, Jennifer Sheik, Jennifer Scheich, who is the editor of Pork Magazine. Jennifer, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's been a busy week. It has been a busy <laughs> week for you uh, with a big announcement of World Pork Expo being canceled this week. We're going to talk about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and the latest you've heard on that uh, coming up in a little bit. But first, we've got much more important things to talk Absolutely. about because Clinton Griffiths, Very you are important. upset. Well, well, we're split fifty-fifty among the group of us yeah. here. Well, we, so I asked a question before we started. I said, "Hey, uh, how many of you are excited about the new Game of Thrones season?" And we're Game of what? Exactly. You know, but fifty-fifty. <laughs> uh, half the group watches; the other half does not. I watch, uh, enjoy the show. They're saying maybe a billion people could be watching this show when it starts back up this weekend. And, and, you know, about, uh, I think it was about three seasons, Ian. You were telling me about it. Uh, and so, all right, I'm going to go watch yeah, it. And, and, I, and I tried watching the first episode. I, I just couldn't get into it. My wife couldn't get into it either. She she tried, like, the first episode like four or five times. Bless her heart. She's She attempted it but could not. It, it's interesting, though. See, and I didn't watch it when it started either. I just kept hearing all these people talk about something. And I thought, well... Goodness sakes, I guess I better go and pay attention and see what this is all about. And I, I do like the show, but I like, I like a good story. I like kind of the escape from the everyday stress of what we do here every day. So for me, it's kind of a, all right, I'm going to go drift off into a world of dragons and whatever and uh, <laughs> you know, leave this uh, world of news behind for an hour or so. So that, that's why I like it. All right, Portia, throne or no throne? Okay, I'm a, I'm a Thrones person. In fact, I will confess, in my Amazon wish list, there is a Daenerys um, <laughs> costume that I am eyeing with a little baby dragon for my shoulder. So may or may not happen. You guys are going to have to wait till October to find out. Oh. <laughs> well, you, no, you got to get it before this weekend, right? Well, we should know oh, by yeah. then if she wins the Game of Thrones, right? That's right. Exactly. I don't even know what that statement means, but uh-huh. that's all right. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, Jennifer, you with me on No Throne? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sat down and, and started that yet, and I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but I'll think a lot about it. <laughs> I just don't get it. All right, well, that, that leaves the tiebreaker to producer Ashley. Do we dare thumbs ask? Up, thumbs down? I've never watched. All right. <laughs> oh, the, the No Throne wins. All right, now, now that we've settled that, yes, let, let's, right. let's get on to the, the other news. The other uh, big news of the week. Yeah, Clinton, you've been working a lot this week on, uh, we've, as we record this here Thursday morning, uh, there is yet another very severe weather system moving through parts of the Corn Belt in the western and northern Corn Belt that have already been hit very hard in recent weeks. Right. 
Um, and you talked with Brad Rippey, USDA meteorologist, who says this may not even be the end of it for them. Right. So he's, of course, been tracking this and trying to decide, okay, well, how much flooding are we going to have? Because, you know, the last time we had flooding, you know, we talked about it here on the podcast about sending a reporting team out there and what that was all like. Um, and here we are at the end of the week. We still don't know exactly how bad this is going to be as far as, you know, will it all melt? Will we have more flooding? What is the impact going to be beyond just the blizzard conditions and two feet of snow that a lot of people are getting in that area? But uh, meteorologist uh, Brad Rippey is telling me that, listen, right now they're looking at the models and it's showing possibly the same thing next week wow. going through the same wow. area. And so here we are with kind of this daisy chain of storms to, in these impacted areas. And, and, you know, it's not just that it's, you know, the Dakotas and Minnesota and we expect winter storms late. It's the fact that, you know, this is into uh, Missouri and you're getting dust and wind storms into Colorado and Texas and the possible of, of freezing out wheat that's growing in the panhandle of Texas and Oklahoma. And then, you know, that it's kicking up severe weather on the tail end of it. And so all of these things playing into trying to get a crop planted again this year. Um, and right now we're on pace. It, you know, the latest uh, USDA report says it's, you know, we're 2% planted, which is what we always are. But if this keeps happening, you, you wet these soils again. Now you push it back 10 days. Then you push it back another 10 days. And then you get into May. But we were already back 10 days right. to 12 days because of what we didn't get done last fall. Exactly. Exactly. So we're more like 20 to 25 days behind at this point. Right. And so, you know, as we're watching the planning pace and see how many people can get out and get in, um, you know, there's going to be that stretch from from Nebraska through Iowa into Minnesota, North Dakota, that, you know, there's a lot of acres and a lot of key acres in those areas that may struggle. And we're even hearing, you know, that there's wetness in Illinois, places where a lot hmm. of those folks would want to be planted already right, yeah. are still haven't started. And so, you know, it's shaping up where it could be interesting. And one, one thing that just came out that, that Rippy told me about was that they're trying to figure out if we're going to have another El Nino year. And, you know, a couple months ago, it was like, oh, no, that's going to go away. But now they're saying, well, it looks like it's holding on. It's kind of hanging in there. Well, just today, I see another story that says, well, it looks like El Nino, 65% chance of a weak El Nino lasting through the rest of this year. So that lends itself to more wetness in, in a typical El Nino system. Well, and we saw last year, uh, the folks that got in early saw a significant yield advantage Absolutely. at the end of the season. And so... There's going to be an impact there if this does get delayed. Right. And so, you you know, and that was one thing Brad said. Well, out west, yes, we've had these big storms coming through. Eastern Corn Belt, it's actually drier than last year. So you've hmm. got from Indiana to the east that, you know, they're shaping up not in too bad a shape. Like they're going to have some rains that come through and a little bit of, you know, spring weather, but, but they always have. Uh but right now, they seem to be sitting in a much better position than a year ago, which could be beneficial for those eastern acres. Um, and we knew states, like even when we went on crop tour last year, like Ohio had significantly better crops than they'd had in a few years. Parts of Kentucky, pretty good year. So, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how this shakes out. It's a little early to start, you know, saying the sky is falling because here's the thing. We can plant the entire crop in about three weeks. The entire corn crop can get planted in about three weeks. 
or at least two thirds to 70% of it. And 70% of the, of the soybean crop we can do in about three weeks. So that's, that's the scale at which this all gets done. It's just amazing. Yeah, and you talked to Chip Flory, Farm Journal economist and host of uh, AgriTalk Radio and also mm-hmm. with Pro Farmer uh, this week about this. And he said, what, I guess about May 10th is really the date that we start getting concerned? Right. You, you, turn, the, you turn the calendar into May, and if we're still wet, then that puts you at May 10th. Right. And so then it starts to watch that forecast. Okay, if we have another system coming through, that's another week to 10 days. Then that's another week to 10 days. And so once you hit that kind of May 10th window, if there's not a dry pocket in there uh, or at least a call for a week of, you know, no no rain in a big part of this uh, growing area, then you start to get worried. And that's when you could start to see a weather market happen. Uh, and, And of course, you know, we do this every spring. We add uncertainty because of spring weather of, oh, are we going to get the crop in? I don't know. We might. We could. you know And it usually ends up, we get a lot of it in, but there are places where it's variable and it's not as good as it could be. Yeah. And we saw that last year as well. Absolutely. That's all well and good on the grain side, but Jennifer, the, the livestock sector is really having to deal with this and it is having an impact there, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. It, you know, one of the things that I've been from a pork producer standpoint, you know, I, I met with Ted Funk the other day and we've been talking about what farmers are going to do in regards to emptying pits. And and it's, it's kind of a bleak situation for some Illinois farmers that didn't get a chance to, to get that done last year because of the weather. And now they're stuck with this situation of can't get in the field to inject the manure. And now they also, you know, that's just going to keep delaying everything. So definitely is a concern for many here. What do you do in that case, Jennifer? I mean, if you if you can't get the pits emptied uh, because you can't yeah, get eventually the, it becomes a very serious it becomes problem. a very serious issue. You pump it out. I mean, what what is the the option? Well, these are the things that he discussed were you know looking for alternative like pastures or other you know other land that you might have, which to me that seems obvious. You know, other places that you could get that out, but um, where there might be more might be more cover, so it, it's, it, you know, not as much risk with water and so forth. But I guess the, the thing that he talked about is that you kind of get to a point where you may want to bring in somebody else to try to, um, you know, kind of a custom applicator to come help you with that or possibly, you know, get to the point where you have to call EPA and let them know that you're kind of in a bit of a, a crisis mode and, and kind of let them know what to expect there as well. So it, it's tough because ultimately that has to take priority over getting in the field so that you just may have to be late and getting planted yeah which uh, all adds expense in a year where yeah. we're trying to to squeeze out, out yeah squeeze <laughs> out every expense you can all right well mm-hmm. uh it, it's it's going to be a, a challenge but as again chip told you clinton um, our farmers have shown amazing resilience in recent years they're going to get it done they're going to get this crop in no matter what it takes, right. um, and, and they've done it before, and they'll do it again this year. Oh yeah, and and they will. And I I think the other interesting part of the livestock side, you know, we've we've been talking about the cattle issue since Nebraska came mm-hmm. through. But you know, um, when Betsy Jibben was out in Nebraska covering the storm, she found hog producers that are having to take boats just to float their feed oh, across. Yeah. You know. Uh, rivers and roadways that aren't there anymore. And Jennifer, I think that's always interesting as well as, you know, whenever you start to 
have these big storm events happen, how, you know, getting out to feed and making sure feed's available and getting feed delivered or even getting animals and livestock that are ready uh, to move moved uh, can be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting to see some of Betsy's coverage because you don't, you know, you often think with, with you know, pigs, you don't have many pigs that are raised outdoors these days, so you don't have the issues of mud and some of the other things. And so I think, you know, it's sometimes easy to kind of tune out until it, until it hits in your backyard and all of a sudden you can't get to where you need to go because of those roadways. And so um, it does have a big impact, and um, it, it has impacted some some, you know, packers, I've heard reports of, you know, be, not being able to get the weather has been causing delays with with slaughter. But um, for the most part, it hasn't been felt as much, but it definitely has been felt some in the pork industry. Well, talking pigs and talking big impact, let's move on to World Pork Expo. The big news this week that uh, World Pork Expo for 2019 has been canceled. Uh, Jennifer, while this is huge news, it's not unprecedented is it no it's not they, they had to cancel world pork expo back in 2001 when foot and mouth disease was striking up all over um, parts of europe and then after england got about of it they decided that they were going to cancel that show back in 2001 and so i remember being a part of that back then um they actually canceled the trade show and then they moved the hog show to another location that year. So they still had a live hop show, but they had to give it a different name and they moved it to a different location. But it certainly has been done before when necessary to protect the U.S. hogshead. And Portia, it's, uh, it's interesting, sitting in the newsroom, uh, in the various newsrooms that we have here, uh, on days like that, um, it's, it's very pressure-packed, but it's also... Uh, well, it's not fun to see that kind of news. It is. It reminds us why we do what we do, and it's from a professional standpoint. Those are fun days, aren't they? To uh, to be able to track down information and get it out just as quickly and accurately as we can. I'll tell you, it's like a shot of adrenaline. Really, I don't think I don't think Jennifer and I needed coffee that morning. Yeah. I think <laughs> we got Probably a little not. injection. Yeah, and um, and I think it's funny too. You know, from a perspective, we're both moms. So, you know, this is coming out and she's texting me and we're planning when we're going to call. We're in the car. We're, you know, she's taking her kids to school. I'm taking my kids to school and we're having these, you know, um, uh, points where you just, you just make um, 14 things happen at once. And that's where we're sitting in different offices and in cars and, 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 and different places uh, talking about what it means for us, what it means for our readers, and really trying to dig to the bottom of what that is. Um, so, so just imagine that um, the office is a little less defined than it used to be. <laughs> yes, it is. It's Absolutely, everywhere, right? But, and, right. And so we've had a lot of different reporters, a lot of different – Clinton, you, and, and Betsy Jibbon on the Ag Day side, uh, Chip, Flory on, on AgriTalk along with uh, his producer, Ashley Davenport, who also is producing us now, uh, and uh, Sarah Brown on the team, and of course Jennifer and Portia, a lot of different people uh, 
uh, tracking down different pieces of this, but all flowing through you, Jennifer. Um, and as this all comes together, what is some of the latest? I know you've been getting uh, some even further updates on what's been happening here. What are you hearing uh, about this decision and, and in particular about, you know, moving forward from this? Sure. Well, you know, one of the things I know that's happening today as we see is that the purebred associations are meeting, having lots of conversations, trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen with this live show. Um, I know it's people hot topic across Twitter and other places. Um, a lot of people have different perspectives on what the right thing to do is. But ultimately, you know, I, I'm confident that these leaders are, are doing their best in a difficult situation to figure out what's the best for, for the different audiences that they serve. And so I know those conversations are going on today. I, I keep looking in my email and keep checking my phone to see if I'm getting any texts to find out any more details. Um, I'm not sure if the decision will come out this week yet for sure, but I know the meetings are going on now. Um, you know, I had a conversation this morning with with a concessionaire about the impact that he will feel from the World Pork Expo's cancellation and uh, looking to try to track down some more statistics on the numbers as far as the, the larger city of Des Moines. Um, yesterday, I, you know, heard Grassley mention his concern over the economic impact of central Iowa. So, I mean, it, it has a big ripple effect for sure. And, and so I'm just kind of looking at some of those other little stories that are, well, not really so little, but those other stories that may not be the main story of it's canceled, but, you know, how it's affecting the bigger picture. So Yeah, this is such an impossible position to be in because on the one side, you know you are going to have a multi-million dollar impact on the, the hog industry, on the city mm-hmm. of Des Moines, on sure. those vendors and people that work mm-hmm. there on the Iowa State Fairgrounds. But on the other side, you could have a tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollar impact if there is ASF introduced because right. of this event there. It's, it's, it's a, a terribly difficult decision to make. Yeah, I, I'm so confident that NPTC made the right decision. Um, you know, they're protecting that, the hog herd and the, the farmers and the producers, which protects everyone because if we were to get ASF, it's going to impact the whole United States, all of North America, I mean the world. It really does have some very far-reaching impact. And so, you know, one of the concessionaires, he told me, he's like, yeah, you know, we're really disappointed. It affects a lot of, a lot of people, you know, and their jobs. A lot of people depend on money. Um, this extra income from the World Pork Expo, but he said we all understand that it was the right decision and, and what we have to do. But um, but it is something to think about how it affects those other less obvious players in this game. Oh, I was just going to say, as I was walking around Mama here uh, the last couple of days as that news hit, it's, it's amazing, too, like all those plans, all those points of contact you think about the you know, the sponsors and supporters of the event, uh, they, they have warehouses full of these plastic pigs that they're planning to get out that are just going <laughs> to be uh, sitting there for another year. And and I know with this being um, the Chinese year of the hog, um, it just mm-hmm. seems like such a weird time for this to be happening. Mm, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. But. Yeah. You know, as you pointed out at the beginning of this particular discussion, Jennifer, you know, we have been here before. And because of the actions that were taken, we never did see 
uh, an outbreak of foot and mouth disease uh, to date here in the United States. So we, we know that these kind of actions can work to protect the U.S. herd and, and our, our status in, in trade in the world. Yep, they do, for sure. Well, and it's interesting, I saw, you know, some statistics, and Jennifer, you probably have all these, you know, off the top of your head, but, you know, China has lost about the equivalent of the U.S. hog herd because of ASF. And that, you know, that was a number I saw yesterday. And it just, it's flabbergasting to think that the, the entire, what they've lost is everything that we produce here, and we've got a pretty robust industry. And so, you know, what's at stake here? Yeah, there's, there's a lot at stake here. There's, you know, whole, uh, you know, billions of dollars and, and livelihoods, and there's tons of things that in play in trying to keep this out. Because, you know, as we go through the, and deal with some of these diseases, you know, it, once they get started and get a foothold, it is extremely hard, as interconnected as the world is, to, to try to, you know, tamp something down. Yeah, I was uh, actually back in 2001 during the foot and mouth disease scare. I was actually working at the Illinois Department of Agriculture going through oh. these scenarios of what do we do if an outbreak comes to the U.S. And yeah, it got pretty pretty serious pretty quickly as, as we went through some of those uh, real-time exercises in trying to figure out what we would do if the disease came to the U.S. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I had a, a conversation yesterday with somebody, too, who was, very involved, works at the National Pork Board in in 2001 and, and now this year as well. And, you know, he made an interesting comment. You know, things are obviously a lot different, but one of the challenges with foot and mouth, too, is that it affects more species than just pigs. Right. So if you were to get it, it's not just affecting one livestock industry, it's affecting many. And, um, you know, he also, you know, was applauding the, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection and the increased efforts that we have. Uh, and measures there to keep ASF out. And, um, you know, so I think he was giving some hope. Like, you know, we're in a, we're in a better situation than we were in 2001 from from some perspectives. But the challenge, again, with ASF is we don't have a vaccine. So if we get it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's about maintaining it where it's at. And so, you know, but, just it's interesting the differences and some of the same challenges. But, uh does this bring back the, the traceability discussions that we had back in 2001? Does this resurrect all of that? I think that's kind of always, you know, people are always talking about that. I mean, I, I hear that a lot from the angle of some of the measures in China, for example, that they're, that they're implementing and so forth. But, you know, the question keeps coming, well, that's great, but how are we going to trace this back? And is that really even possible? And so... Yeah, I've not heard as much about it this week, but I feel like people are kind of focused on this, you know, first issue at hand, but I'm sure that conversation will come up again. You know, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this more uh, as a, you know, and well, not just because that was the centerpiece in 2001, right, and not just in hog industries, right. but in, in livestock or cattle industries and, and others. Uh, I'm just surprised when in all the discussion about blockchain and this and that and data mining and everything that we discuss, you know, from precision agriculture, that this isn't a topic that gets more attention. Um, I'm not. But there know, was an awful lot of pushback on there, animal ID and no one. Absolutely there was. Absolutely there was. And I, I understand those arguments, but I, I it, it is interesting that we're not talking about it more. Yeah, and a lot of those arguments have gotten a little bit simpler now just because we've uh, reduced the costs. Sure. The, the technology has gotten us to a point where it gets a little bit easier, a little bit 
more cost effective, but you've still got the privacy issues that were mm-hmm. at the heart of a lot of those animal ID uh, pushback, if you will. Yeah, right. It's interesting. All right. Well, hey, Portia, Jennifer, hopefully you've enjoyed your first visit here with us on the stuff we don't talk about on air, and you'll come back and join us again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right. And Clinton, enjoy Sunday night. The rest of us. I will. Clinton and and (laughs) Portia, enjoy Sunday night. The rest of us will. The billion of our closest friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll go find something else to watch and you can explain it to us later yeah eventually what it all means. yeah well well we you know when it wraps up and we kind of get an idea of what actually happened here hopefully it doesn't leave us like lost did uh like oh, scratching our heads yeah. going what in the world did we just spend all this time and energy watching so really at the end of the day you're telling me all i need to know is who's sitting at the throne when the thing ends right <laughs> pretty much i think uh, so Portia, that's t- my synopsis you can tell me and i don't need to watch the rest well I guess you'll miss out on on some pretty good uh, sword fights. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. You know. Right. What are you going to do? It's uh, TV. you got to have some sort of entertainment in your life, John. For me, I like a little Game of Thrones. It's fine. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Stuff we don't talk about on there. Exactly. We'll talk to you next week. Yep.